Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. This is our finale of this series, dealing with the elephant in the room. We, we've dealt with multiple areas. We talked on week one about consumer debt. Had a lot of people become a part of Financial Peace University. I want to thank those that are leading that and teaching that, those that have signed up and have been a part. It will help you. It's helping people already those that are being intentional to get out of consumer debt. Then the second week, we talked about tithing and offering. So thankful for our church family trying to follow after the Word of God and trying to be pleasing. We want to be pleasing to the Lord, don't we? And then the third week, got up and just kind of gave some cliff notes about our topic that night about Managing the talents that God has given us. Investing wisely, not just financial, but whatever God has given us. The Lord really began to do a special work on that night a couple of weeks ago. In really ministering even about the talent of hurt. And the gifting of pain for a season. And then tonight... I want us to deal with a very necessary and sober topic since we've been talking about stewardship throughout this series. So I turn your attention to Romans, Romans chapter 14, if you will. Thank you to the band. Thank you to Dr. Anderson and all of our musicians to our sound team, our video team, all of those who work so hard. Pulled onto the property this morning and people were out there again salting sidewalks again, and holding signs and working. It takes a lot of people working hard. We honor you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. All of our teachers that were in classes this morning, our other campus pastors got great reports from those services we're thankful for what the Lord is doing in Greenwood and in Canby somebody say amen I want you to continue to be praying for those families Lord to bless them and to bless the Sizemores and the Brzezinski's and the teams that are there Romans chapter 14 I want us to read tonight verses 7 through 12. Sister Annie Sargent did such a great job, didn't she, speaking to us tonight? So good, so good. Verse 7 says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether 
We live therefore or die. We're the Lord's. He's telling the church, we're the Lord's. We're the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12, please key in. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. Turn to your neighbor, tell them that's you. I want to be very clear from the start of our message here tonight. We have all different personalities in this room. All different kinds of people at different stages of the journey of life. But it's very important that every person knows you will give an account for your soul. You will give an account for your soul. And the elephant in the room on this final night is that I must be a steward, a wise steward of my soul. Before I can hope that my family is saved, I've, I've got to be a wise steward of my. I can't be distracted judging someone across the way until I take introspection. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I want you to lift your hands with me, if you will, in this room, if you're willing and if you're able. And I'm asking us to blanket this sanctuary with prayer. I want to turn my microphone off for a minute. I want you to lift your voices in prayer. Would you do that? Would you pray that people would make the decision tonight to be wise stewards of their Praise God. Praise God. Find someone else before you're seated and tell them, be a wise steward of your soul. If you've got kids or grandkids in the room, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then most of you know, especially if you have multiple You've heard something like this. You walk in the room just in time to see the assault. One child hitting another, pushing another, God forbid, biting another, 
Some of you know who you are. You had biters. You're the people they called to the nursery. <laughs> I don't know anything. That doesn't take discernment. I've just been around long enough to see it happen. And what do you hear every time? Almost every time. I've never caught one of my kids when they were younger or even now when the response was not this. But they hit me first. And what they want me to do is turn to the other kid and say, then you're fair game. Then you had it coming. You ever noticed when you ask questions like, who left the toilet seat up? That's for one group more than another. You get answers like, I haven't even used the bathroom today. All day? No. I, I haven't used it. How about yesterday? Nope. When's the last time you used it? Thursday. In my house, they hear you lie, you fry. It's the blame syndrome, isn't it? It's something that is seemingly instinctive. Doesn't seem like it needs to be taught. It just happens. The blame game, the blame syndrome. New York Times best-selling children's author, Jory John, wrote the book that you see on the screen behind you with a great title. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. No, never is. The book begins with a kid's conversation with his teacher. Why is your homework so messy? She asks this child. It's not my fault. I blame my pen. I can't read your answers. He said, I blame my pen. Why are your assignments so late? Um, I blame my pen. A couple pages later, the pattern continues with his dad. Hey, why is there mud all over the carpet? It's not my fault. I blame my shoes. Where'd all the leaves come from? Not me. My shoes. You know, those are bad shoes. I blame my shoes. Why are all the footprints on the wall. The little boy said, I told you, I blame my shoes. Well, it might seem far-fetched far and a little bit silly. The elephant in the room this evening is that some of us blame the most significant reoccurring issues of our life on everyone, but where blame should be. The sobering reality that we must all come to grips with is the condition of our soul. I cannot blame it all on sin when I've been given an escape route. I cannot blame it all on the devil that I preached about when I also preached that there is a God who gives me the strength to be an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. So Paul he wrote to the church, and we read here in our opening text in Romans 14, that every one of us, and I cannot overemphasize it enough, college students, it's for you. Those in your 20s and 30s, it's for you. 
40s and 50s, you don't grow out of it, do you? How about our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? There's not, a, there's not an age out of this particular truth. We must, everyone, give an account for our soul. What a sobering thought that I cannot ultimately blame it on someone else. I, I personally will have to stand before the Lord. And I understand that as a pastor, the level of my accountability is heightened and elevated. And I feel that weight and I bear that responsibility. And I laid before God yesterday again and, and prayed that he would give me wisdom to lead this church and to guide and give direction. And yet I find myself with that responsibility as a pastor, having enough wisdom to tell us here tonight that every one of us, Every one of us in this room will one day stand before God and we will have to give a condition for our own soul. I want it to be someone else's fault if I'm not living right. I need it to be someone else's fault if I'm not happy in the church. I need it to be somebody else to blame if I cannot get my act together. But really, Paul said, quit looking at the conditions of Rome. I know that there are many excuses in the society of Rome, but he spoke to the church and said, you will give account for your soul. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, I will stand before God alone by myself and I will give an account for my life. It is the sobering reality. The judgment of God does not just embrace all persons, it embraces deeds as well. We will answer for every idle word, for every careless deed, for every choice, for every decision, for everything in our lives where we thought no one will notice. God notices. We will give our account for everything that we choose not to hide in him. We will answer for what we have done. Hear me now. They might be a real mess, but you won't answer for what they've done. You may have someone in your life that's really hard to get along with, but you won't stand before God, nor will I, with the opportunity to tell God on them. God knows them better than you know them. God knows them better than I know them. But when I stand before the Lord... When I stand before God in judgment, I've got to be able to answer for myself. Why did I do what I did? Why did I live the way I lived? How did I try to find justification for my actions? And I want it to be that in him we live. In him we breathe. In him we, have our, we move. We have our being. I want it to be that I'm found in him. 
I've got good news for anybody that has been asleep at the wheel of your life considering or, or in regards to the condition of your soul. Maybe you've been harboring some feelings towards someone that you shouldn't. Maybe you have been allowing anger to get into your mind and it's even affected your spirit. Well, I've been a little angry, Pastor, but it hasn't affected my soul or it hasn't affected my spirit. If it's affected the way you treat others, then it's affecting your soul. If it's affecting your church attendance, it's affecting your soul. Come on, can I pastor for a moment? If it's affecting the way you treat your spouse, it's affecting your soul. If it's affecting the way you treat your children, it's affecting your soul. If it's affecting whether or not you want to be involved at the church, it's affecting your soul. Yes, it is. How do I know whether it's affecting my soul? It will play out in your life. It will play out in your actions. But good news, if you have been asleep at the wheel for the spiritual condition of your soul, it is not too late to wake up. It is not too late to take charge. It is not too late to say, God, forgive me for every wrong thought. Forgive me for every negative word. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. I feel something prompted in my spirit. It's not too late for you to apologize. The fact that you made it to church or you're listening to this message online, some of you would do your soul a favor by making a phone call and said, I've been harboring these feelings for too long. You may never, let me let you off the hook right now. You may never be best friends. I'm not saying you got to do slumber parties. Okay? I'm not saying you got to be those possessive friends that you can only eat with them and nobody, I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you that if you cannot even worship together, if you cannot even smile at it, man, I'm, this ain't in my notes. I just, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm trying to help somebody. If there's things in your life and in your mind, well, pastor, I don't really understand what you're talking about. I'm talking about a snare that has been laid before you that you think is just a personality conflict and really it is a soul deterrent. You can take control of this. For some of us every now and then, we got to call them on the phone. And say, listen, whether you were wrong or I was wrong doesn't really matter at this point. But I want you to know that I love you. How many know you can do something right and people get mad? You can do something right and people get mad. Brother Turner, I've made calls I knew were right and people didn't like it. And it was, it was not that they were trying to be a sinner and I was trying to be righteous. It was just, it was a call I knew was right, but they didn't like it. But whether I'm right or they're right should never be able to affect our relationship. Man, I'm talking to somebody. I'm reaching for somebody right now. Well, I don't know why they treated them this way. I don't know why they did either. I don't know why that teacher did that. I don't know why that preacher did that. I don't know why that leader did that. I don't know why your best friend did that. I don't know. Why. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. It's not worth your soul. 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 Every now and then, you got to withstand them. The Bible, one of the first series I taught here on a Wednesday night, I talk about the apostles and, a, and an interaction between them where he withstood him to the face. Every now and then, we got to talk. You know, you can talk without being ugly. Sometimes that's tough. 
That's why you should have those, those conversations in a right place. But if we're not careful, that's the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that we play church in public, but we can't get along in public. But if I'm going to be the steward for my soul, sometimes I just have to address the issue. How are things? Well, I haven't talked to them in seven weeks. Or I haven't talked to them in seven years. Haven't dealt with this situation. Girls, let me deal with the girls, with the ladies right now. Being in youth ministry for so long, Brother Dugas, I would watch this happen where girls would get mad over a relationship with a boy. Oh, do you hear that little sound? That was the sound of fangs coming out. I've dealt with girls that grown women, grown women that don't like them since they were teenagers because of a stupid boy that neither of them ended up with. We're laughing because it's the truth. Because she was dating Johnny and Johnny was a two-timing bum. And Johnny started talking to her and now you shouldn't have been mad at her. You should have been mad at Johnny. Johnny was the problem. I'm just pulling names from nowhere. <laughs> My brother's name's Johnny. I'm probably going to get a call. But I've watched it. And all those years later, worship together, we got to worship in different sections. Is this too real? Sorry. I'm not preaching to any situations. I'm preaching to snares. I've only been here for 18 months, so I don't know any of that old stuff. But I'm telling you, I do know the deception that's as old as time that the enemy would like for you to have everything in line. But when it comes to the stewardship of your soul, he'd like for you to miss these little foxes that spoil the vine and these little flies that get in the oil. They don't seem like a big deal. It'd be really silly for her hundred pounds to drag you to hell because you can't get over it. Man, I feel something in this room right now. God forbid that we allow any person or any personality. God forbid we allow some boss that cheated us out of money 15 years ago. Or some client that didn't come good on their bill. God forbid that we get everything right, but anytime we see them or hear their name, it stirs something in us that we got to the altar, but not under blood. I don't want to let anything, I've got to be a steward for my soul. How many know that that's not on the pastor or the youth pastor? That's not on your wife. That's not on your children. That's on you. Come on, it's not on your husband. It's on you. We work together as a team. We lead in the dynamics of a team. We've got to have ministry. We've got to preach to one another, help one another. I preach about that all the time. But the elephant in the room that we've got to deal with tonight is I must give account. I must give account. Yeah, well, if you heard the way that they talk to people, have you ever seen the way I don't like them working with children? It might not be their gifting. Hopefully that, that, that in that environment, maybe they'll... Things will refine and things will be better. Or may, I don't like when they lead in this area. I don't like when they do that. It affects me. Listen right now. No other person gets to be the keeper of your emotions. 
Sister JC's in here. She probably, that's just counseling one-on-one. Any of our counselors in here would know. Nobody else gets to be the gatekeeper of your emotions. Well, I don't like when they sing. Okay. I don't like when they teach. All right. But for you to treat God like you don't like him, because they're the person being used, it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. It's a you problem. It's me being the steward for my own soul. Am I, making, I hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm helping somebody right now. So it'd be better for you. It'd be better for you to make the phone call, to have the conversation, to meet up with them for coffee. Oh, pastor, I'm not ready for that. Then make the phone call or send the card. What if they don't reciprocate? That's a number. You know how many times I've heard that? I don't think they'll be sorry. You don't need them to be sorry. You just need you to be sorry. They've got to give account for them, but you've got to give account for you. You've got to stand before God and no one's going to stand before God and be able to say, well, I knew they wouldn't accept it. It's not how it works. I've got to stand before God and God be able to say, you did what you knew was right. You gave mercy like I did when there was a guy hanging on the cross next to me that did not deserve it by the standards of men. But he looked at me and said, could you remember me this day? He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise because until it's all over, until there's that last chance, God is giving grace for people to do the right thing. I want you to just lift your hands with me. God is really feel like the Lord's trying to do some ministry in this room right now in a special way. Jesus, we love you. I want you to really pray all over this house. Every, every person in this room, will you really, really pray right now that God would help us? Somebody say amen. Turn backwards one chapter in your Bible to Romans 13, if you will. Romans 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's nearer right now than when we believed. It goes on, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. There is a lack of feeling and consciousness when you're asleep. Eat too much pizza before you sleep. How many's ever had a crazy dream? Crazy, crazy dream. I was going to Africa a handful of years ago, and before we went, they made us take these malaria pills. Anybody that's ever, yeah, I, I felt a little moan. We've probably got some missionaries in here. They tell you when they give you the pills. Now, these could cause terrible nightmares, and then they just walk away. <clears throat> 
one of the ministers, I won't even say their name, one of the ministers that was going on the trip with us uh, to Africa, one incredible, incredible minister and pastor who was going, called us, a couple of us, uh, right before the trip. He had been taking his malaria pills and had a bad reaction, Brother John. In his dream, he was dreaming he had become a mass murderer. He was on the, that's a bad dream. And he woke up and he said the, you ever been having a dream and then you wake up and you start thanking God it was a dream? I promise you, you wake up from that dream, you're thanking God. You're feeling for cuffs. You're thanking God. He was telling us about how real and how vivid the dream felt. And I will tell you right now, the enemy would love for us to live in some kind of a dream world where everything seems and feels so real. And he wants this feeling to be, there's no way you can get out of this. There's no way you can live beyond this. But Paul said, I've got news for you. All you've got to do is wake up. Wake up. I've had dreams where I woke up in a cold sweat. Said, oh, thank God. Thank God. I had a, I had a dream that still haunts me. I was a young man. I had a vivid dream. I was smoking a cigarette. Confession is good for the soul. Vivid dream. In my dream, I thought to myself, my dad will kill me. <laughs> when I woke up out of, it, so, it was so real. It was so real that in my dream, Brother Herbst, I said these words. I can still remember it. This is how much it bothered me all this time later. In my dream, I said these words. Oh my God, it's not a dream. Oh my God, it's not a dream. And then I woke up cold sweat. I thought, I began to thank God. You know, I got to tell you, I thank, I thank God for every kind of addiction that people get freed from. But I thank God that I've got the testimony I never had to be delivered. I never had to be delivered of cigarettes. I never had to be delivered of alcohol. But can I tell you something? That although I had never put a cigarette to my lips, in my dream, in my dream, walking in, in and out of school every day with kids who did, and it being a normal part of the culture and the custom, in my dream, Brother Lopez, there was this convincing that I was the same as everybody else. Spiritually, there is a, there's a real desire of the enemy to keep people in a state of dreaming, dreaming that you have to be, and I would call it more of a nightmare than a dream, in a place where you cannot wake up. But Paul said, you can wake up. You can shake yourself. You, I know most of you, most of you in here, you don't like the alarm. Most of you here, you employ the snooze button. Staying in a place with somebody where they have an awful alarm. Who's got just the regular old ring? Anybody got that ring? Who's got one of those iPhones? The devil is a liar, I tell you. Some people set your alarms to things that wouldn't wake you up. 
You ever been sleeping so good that the alarm turns into part of your dream? That's good sleep. That's good sleep. But I'm telling you right now, there is an alarm spiritually for the church. And God is asking the church to wake up. God is asking the church, will you be who you're called to be in this hour? Do you want to settle? Do you want to live in this place where you're asleep and you slumber? Or do you want to say, God, I want to do everything I can with while I have the opportunity. And one thing I definitely do not want to do is sleep through my opportunity to get my soul right. Turn to somebody, smile real kind of crazy at them and tell them, get your soul right. Look back at them and tell them, worry about your own soul. <laughs> Come on, how many know if we're not careful, we can be so worried about others that we do not focus on ourselves? Turn to, turn to the Old Testament with me, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to read verses 10, 11, and 12. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fieldest not, wells digged which you did not dig, Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Watch this. He said, when you get all that blessing, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He said, be careful. And the only reason I take it to the Old Testament is for the proof that it's as old as can be. That if we're not careful, we can get ourselves beyond remembrance and think that life is just good without God. And we forget or we fall asleep or we at least begin to daydream as it were. Forgetting that the only reason I'm here is because he brought me out of bondage. He brought me out of darkness into his what? His marvelous light. It's a marvelous light. And so when I'm in the place where I'm eating of crops that I did not plant and I'm, I'm eating and I'm living in such a way that I know it's because of, please hear me, it's because of the forefathers and the elders and the patriarchs of the faith and those who have lived and loved and believed in God. The worst thing we could possibly do is in this generation get to a place where we forget to say, if I don't have the Lord, I could end up back in Egypt. If I don't have the Lord and if I don't give thanks to God that I can end up back in a place where I used to be. We must be careful that we do not forget the Lord who brought us out of Egypt. Is anybody still glad he brought you out of the miry clay? Were my elders out? He brought me out of the miry clay. He, he set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song. He 
You probably feel like singing, don't you? I hear you. He put a song in my soul today, a song. A song of what? Of what? Why? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. All right, let's do, a, let's, let's do a little survey. Who in here does not know that song? Look at all the hands. Okay, we're about to educate you right now. Okay. If you really know it, you just became part of the choir. Now, you don't get to sit there and not sing. Okay, real easy. Here we go. He brought me. Cheat sheet. Oh, he put a song. In my soul today, a song of his praise. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to say. He put a song in my soul. Set a song of his praise. Hallelujah. So let's give him that praise right now. Come on, if you know it was him. I wouldn't be here, but he, he brought me out. I owe him everything. I owe him my soul. I, I owe him my words. I, I owe him my praise. He brought me out. He brought me out. He picked me up. He brought me out. I could still be there. I could still be lost. I could still be undone. I, I could still be in terror. I, I could still be overwhelmed, but he brought me out. He put a song in my soul today, a song. Everybody now sing. Come on, you learned it. Say, he brought me out of the Oh, he on the rock to stay. He set a song. It sounds so good. One more time. Everybody say he. Yes, he did. He on the rock to stay. He put a song. It's a song of his praise. Come on, now let's just erupt in praise all over this. Souls. Souls turn towards God. Souls turn towards God. Come on, the devil wants your mind. He wants your attitude because he wants your soul. He wants you to be angry because he wants your soul. He wants you to be complacent because he wants your soul. He wants you to be, be hindered because he wants your soul. But you gotta remember it was the Lord that brought me out. It was the Lord that He put a song in my soul. Oh, 
he put a song in my soul. 